Take Talk. Consumer Talk. Call us now on 021-446-0567. Welcome back to the Pepper Hudson Show. This is Bianca Reznikov standing in for Pepper today. It's Wednesday, which means we're going to start off the show with Consumer Talk. Uh, we're delighted to have uh, consumer specialist Wendy Nola with us for the next hour in studio, answering all your consumer-related questions and sharing and sharing breaking consumer news with us. Uh, a quick reminder that the second half hour of the segment is an open line in which you're very welcome to call in on any consumer query at all. The number to dial is 021-446-0567 or you can send an SMS 31567, voice notes and WhatsApps to 072-567-1567 if you prefer. And welcome to the show, Wendy, and welcome to Cape Town. Thanks, Bianca. Yeah, a bit chilly. So... Every day you deal with uh, consumer injustices ranging from the minor, slightly misleading advertising, for example, to the complete ripoffs. And then on the far side, the out and out scams. Yes. And today we're talking the far side, the out and out scams. Um, the intercepted invoice scam is on very much on that far end and it's causing absolute havoc between companies and their clients. How does it work? Okay, so briefly, the scammers get the email addresses of companies which routinely email invoices to their customers for payment. We all have experienced this. So um, what they do is they hack into that email account, right? They intercept an invoice containing email to the client, change the bank details to their bank account, create an email address which is almost identical to the genuine address so that the recipient doesn't notice. And then they send it on to the client who unwittingly pays the fraudster and not the company that they owe money to. Um, Investec sent a warning to its clients about the scam very recently and said this type of fraud can lead to strained business relationships as neither party feels that they are responsible for the fraud. So I had a Durban caterer tell me recently that he'd done two catering jobs for the client. It, it, it came to quite a bit of money and she, she'd got the, the hacker's email, paid their money into to the hacker's um bank account yes and when the caterer said i'm um, sorry you haven't paid she said yes i have and it emerged what had happened the client said well i paid you in good faith i'm not paying again but actually of course um she is liable but it's just so you can imagine the horrible scenes that that happen um and it's it's very much um rough at the moment i'm hearing it from all sides so what was the outcome of that incident with the with the with the caterer there it sits. I mean, right. I, it's it's still ongoing. It's a very very recent case. Um, so so yeah. Anyone to use some Cape examples? Yes. I mean, you get a company to fill in your pool, for mm. example, to deliver a rain tank or two and set them up, or to cater for your big birthday bash, remodel your kitchen, anything like that. I, I think they do target people that generate fairly sizable right. invoices that's for the, obvious that's reasons. The, makes yeah. Sense. Um, I spoke to an IT company owner recently who said the problem is that many smallish companies buy their own routers and set them up. And she says these are usually defaulted to username admin, and they tend to use easy, non-secure passwords, mm. sometimes just good old password. Um, so the, the scammers hack into their accounts, apply f- port forwarding, route the outgoing mails to their own server, amend the, ma- the, the details, obviously the bank details, um, and um, that's it. We don't, the average consumer is not really going to check and you just pay the money into the account that's presented on the invoice and that's that. But we cannot afford to do that anymore and this is why we're doing this show. So 
What about the banks? Can't they step in and help? Okay, so I had this conversation with that with that IT guy, and he says when the banks are presented with damning evidence of the fraud, they refuse to provide any information to the victim as the account holder is protected by Poppy. Um, the, the Ombudsman for Banking Services told me that the banks had a duty to keep an account holder's information confidential. doesn't matter who that account holder is. The only way you can get any information about the beneficiary account holder is to obtain a subpoena in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act, which okay. is a bit of a schlep. Mm. But even you know that will order the bank to release the information on the account. But there really is no point in doing that because the fraud set naturally would have opened the account with a fraudulent ID and proof of address. So that's whole rigmarole is really not going to lead you anywhere. So much for FICA. Well, that's exactly it. All the, the, the schlep that we have to go to, yeah. to to satisfy the requirements of FICA. So what can the consumer do to protect okay. themselves? There are some practical things to do. First of all, companies must get a professional company to set up and configure their router. DIY is very risky, as we've discovered. Um, and then let current and new clients know that the banking details will never change and advise them to phone and double-check the details before paying. And obviously don't phone the number that's on the invoice because it might be the fraudster's invoice and then you'll just get one of their maids saying, yes, yes, all good. Um, and the other suggestion is is for companies to leave banking details off invoices and ask clients to call in instead. That makes but that's, sense. It does make sense, but that's problematic because I don't know about you. I can be a little bit dyslexic with numbers. Now you can imagine you've got this person reading the number. You could have a bad line. Mm. It's... It's not ideal as far as I'm concerned as a, as a, um, alternative. For consumers, don't set up beneficiary details unless you've first contacted the company sending the invoice and verifying the, the account details. So that's the other side of the coin we've just discussed. And call the company, as I said, on an independently sourced, um, contact number, not one of um, what could be a compromised invoice. Okay, so which service providers are the prime target for this kind of scam, Wendy? Okay, so all, as we, as I said, those that provide, that, that send out lo- fairly large and regular invoices to their customers for payment. But there is a certain category of service provider that is, um, particularly being, um, targeted, and those are conveyancing attorneys. Because they hold in their trust accounts the purchase price paid for a property by a buyer, and then when the transfer of that property has gone through, they then pay these relatively large proceeds of the sale onto the seller once the bond, if there's a bond, has been settled. So it was, it, it became so prevalent among conveyances that in July of 2016, the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund, a non-profit company established by the Attorneys Fidelity Fund to provide a level of professional indemnity insurance to all practicing attorneys in South Africa, they actually excluded cybercrime from the cover oh. because it was just there were just too many claims. In the fund's risk alert publication published last August, the fund's general manager, Thomas Harbin, wrote, Since that exclusion, we've been notified of more than 50 cybercrime-related claims with a total value of 25 million rand, and all fell within that exclusion and were rejected for the insurance. So just to recap, between July of 2016 and August of 2017, a year, 50 cybercrime, 50 conveyancing attorneys were... was, yeah, basically had the accounts hacked into, um, and as I say, obvious target because it's large amounts of money. And unlike other service providers, they're the ones that are paying the money out. Okay, it's not their money, but exactly. they are the pay- paying the money out. So they really need to know about the scam. And they've, the Law Society, the, the Indemnity Fund, they've, they've been repeated 
emails and newsletters and workshops and all sorts of things to try and get the message across that they need to be um, super aware of this scam and take measures to prevent huge losses um, for themselves and their clients. Okay, so as always, you you, you have a case study for us uh, to vouch for this. Um, let's uh, go to your case, case study. Okay, so last September, a Cape Town-based conveyancing firm of attorneys brought in Fenta, fell for a scam email pretending to be from their client, Lynn Marshall, with a last-minute request that the 420,000 rand proceeds from the sale of the Musenberg home that she joint-owned with her partner, Rick Lawrence, be transferred into a totally different bank account with a different bank, right? So... The firm did the transfer without doing any of the very widely publicized recommended checks and then refused to take responsibility for the loss. Can we just quickly go through the checks that um, the Law Society and the Indemnity Fund proposed? Yes. They said... um, they told the, the, the fraudster what would happen, that you'll get an email um, usually uh, um, hours after registering the conveyancing transaction. In other words, now the fraudster knows this funds, the funds need to be transferred, purportedly from the client's email address, informing the firm that the banking particulars originally submitted are incorrect and providing new banking uh, particulars. Um, and they were told, you know, to obviously red flag it. Phone, make checks, mm. do all sorts of things. Ask even for um, a bank bank stamped proof that these are the new banking details for that client because of how rough the scam is and because of the amount of money at stake here. Um, but in this case, um, yeah, the attorney um, did the transfer without any of the checks and then refused to take responsibility. And we have the very victims in studio with us today. Yes, joining us now in the studio um, are Lynn and Rick Marshall to tell us a little bit about uh, their experience. Um, set the scene for us. Okay, uh, first of all, it's Rick Lawrence and Lynn Marshall. We, oh, we're, we're life partners, but we're not married. Okay, sorry about uh, that. We bought the property jointly in around 2008 as an investment for retirement. Um, then we sold it last year. Uh, and went through to the the attorneys to sign all the necessary papers. Uh, we were recommended the conveyancer by the estate agent because we obviously we don't do this on a daily basis, so we just took his recommendation. Uh, we gave her all the details of the bank account. It was to be paid into my bank account with ABSA. We both had to go through and sign the documentation confirming that was where the money was to be paid. Uh, the delay, there was a slight delay in the transfer and I phoned on the week, I think, of the 5th of September to say, you know, when is the money going to be paid? And she said, oh, no, there's been a delay, but she said you should be, you should be paid by Monday. The, uh, the money will be paid into the account and released on Friday and you should have the account by Monday. Monday came, no money. I phoned up and I said, look, no money. And they said, well, here's proof of payment. <laughs> which I opened up. I was out at the office the whole of mm. Monday because I had a trainee in. opened the uh, email at 6 o'clock on the morning of Tuesday, and it wasn't my bank account. What went through your mind? Mm. Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> Just the most heart-stopping moment. Yeah. And I phoned her PA because I know that the, the daughter's PA because I know she starts early, and she said, oh, I'll, I'll tell her when she comes in. I said, no, you won't. I said, you'll get her on the cell phone right now and uh, find out what's happening. Um, she phoned me back. She was in a bit of a panic, and she said, oh, I'm going to lodge a fraud complaint with Ned Bank. I'll come back to you and tell you the story. Never heard another word from her. Since then? No. Not a phone call, not an email. Okay, so, yeah. Um, and we'll now sit, it's many months later. Yeah. Um, 
first of all, before we ask you what what you're going to do about yeah. it, if anything. Um, what impact has the loss of that 420,000 rand had on your life? Well, it's horrible. Um, I was due to retire in July last year. Um, I was fortunate enough to manage to stay on the company with another, for another few months, but that's coming to an end. I've now had to find another job to help supplement that income because, you know, even it doesn't matter what I do, I'm not going to make up 420,000 rand in the next couple of years. No, you know, I'm past retirement age. Yeah. Um, so we, all we keep thinking is, my God, what if we if we didn't have anything else if mm. that was it mm. it would have been completely catastrophic and i'm sure nowhere to turn. i'm sure many of these other cases um you know dozens of them mm. there must be case must be um, <coughs> among those people who feel just that whose lives have just come to a grinding halt especially if you at the end of your working life yeah and you know i mean i've, I've worked every day of my life for the last 45 years so you know i think i deserve a little bit of <laughs> comfort Absolutely. at the end of it um, Absolutely, but it's it's just unbelievable the total lack of responsibility. You know, the the shutters have come down. I've done nothing wrong, and that's the attitude. Well, I did uh, approach um, Renal Berta recently um, to respond, and she said throughout I corresponded with Ms. Marshall on her chosen email address. In due course, I executed all instructions received from this email address. At no relevant time did the particulars of the email address change, and that's all she said. Well, that's in dispute. And also, um, no word about the considerable checks which the Law Society and which um, the um, Attorney's Fidelity Fund had um, on many different platforms, from lectures to seminars to annual reports to, um, you know, media to emails, etc., had warned about, you know, to do these checks. So there it sits. Um, nothing's happened since um, in terms of contact from the from the firm, from your side, what are you doing in, a, in an attempt, if you want to answer that, Rick, in an attempt to recover that 420,000? There seems to be uh, very little that we're able to do. We've got to follow the natural or, or the, uh, uh, the legal course, and we have no alternative to uh, divert from that but that means that um, it will go to uh, the high court which will mean probably we'll see it in court at the earliest about 12 months from now and there's there's also the additional costs of taking it to the high court costs. yeah um yeah. it's a it's a very slippery and expensive slope. Um, as I say, the, the whilst um, you feel you've lost considerably, you know, I keep thinking on a, a slightly wider scale, you know, that um, whatever happens with us, you know, if, <laughs> if it continues the way it is at the moment, anybody handling a property transaction will be in exactly the same or be at exactly the same risk as we were and they don't know nobody nobody's selling their house and i must say i've spoken to a number of um convincing attorneys and people in and people involved such as estate agents and the like they're still under the belief that the indemnity fund covers, covers everybody for that everybody goes away um whistling happily because uh, they are secure nobody is secure 
They should, well, they, they were advised to take out their own, the, the, the conveyancing attorneys, that is, to take out ago. their 18 months, almost 18 months. Uh, no, more. Hold on, since, yeah, almost two years, July 2016, yeah. um, they were advised to take out their own insurance, and, and I don't know how many have, but um, one, hopefully, in, in, I mean, we know there were 50 cases in the year after that, ending August last year, where the, they submitted claims and were rejected. So that's 50 mm-hmm. other people in the situation yeah. that, that you were in, because they wouldn't have submitted a claim if they had their own insurance. But the, the, the oh, lucky the, things about uh, these 50 is that it seemed that the conveyancing attorneys were liable and they paid. It, that's the other thing. In many cases, the attorneys thought, well, you know, we're not going to let our clients take the mm-hmm. knock. This is our fault. I think it's We've got to take a, a little break now for the news headlines. We will come back to Consumer Hour after the headlines. Talk. Consumer Talk. Call us now on 021-446-0567. Welcome back to The Pippa Hudson Show. I'm Bianca Resnikov speaking to Wendy Nola about Consumer Talk. And with her in the studio, we have Lynn Marshall and Rick Lawrence, who fell prey to a conveyancing firm fund and lost 420,000 rand to a hacking scam. Mm. Um, Wendy, we have a caller that's, that's coming in who had a similar situation. Um, is it, is it Sally? No, no, Daniel. Okay, Hi. Daniel from Wetton. Hi, what happened to you, Daniel? Hi there. Um, I worked for a small company, so the, the secretary was actually running the whole company. Uh, she, did the, she kind of did the books, the, although they had an accountant. But um, what she was doing was she was uh, taking stock out, right? But she was printing an, uh, an invoice that had her banking details on the invoice. And, th- and this went on and on, unnoticed, until um, one of the companies actually returned a product and it showed her banking details on the invoice. And the company actually lost a million rands worth of stock. Okay, so this isn't quite the same scenario. It was an internal. She didn't have to hack into anything. She was no, in the, she within the company, but it's a, it's it's actually, a, a, yeah, a variation of the banking detail banking details yes, scam. She's totally unaware of this. This is. I mean, I'm not sure how a company would actually figure this out until. Uh, some product was actually returned with the wrong invoice on it, with the wrong banking details on it, because she was printing her own invoices and she was changing the stock on Pastel. I was so going to say, she'd have to do both. Wow, yeah. very yeah. clever. And what happened? Was there, a, was there a court case? No, he actually uh, he, he made a deal with her instead of taking her to... Uh, to uh, court, she, got, she court paid back. Now. Uh, she did pay up a lot of it back, yes. Okay, yeah, that's a different version of what we're talking about. But, yes, um, but I, much wanted, I wanted small businesses to, to be aware know, that this yes. scam that, that your secretary could be doing <laughs> right in front of your nose, mm. taking stock out, you know, without even you wow. knowing about it and changing the invoice details. Absolutely, yeah. and the consumer wouldn't have any idea. You get the no. invoice and you pay. That's the, that's the problem. So, yeah. again... Um, that the the one warning that we spoke about earlier, and that is for companies not to put their banking details on invoices, yes. would solve that internal That's fraud right, problem right. as well. So maybe that is an idea. Maybe mm. maybe finding another way to communicate those bank yeah, details, which is less, them on the on the website, would be the best idea. Maybe yes, that's a, yeah. that's an idea. As long as those don't get hacked into, but yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> a problem. Thanks for calling in, Daniel. Thank Thanks, you very Daniel. Bye bye. Um, I've got a WhatsApp. Uh, surely the banks should be able to red flag suspicious account behaviour. These scamsters' accounts are presumably presumably opened and then emptied almost immediately once stolen funds have been received. What do you say to yes, that? Yes, and we were speaking off air to uh, Rick and Lynn about just that, that um, in their case, the 420,000 rand was cleaned out within 48 hours. Uh, often it's even less, and surely that's... But in that case, I suppose, you know, it's a one-off thing, and by the time the fraud has been um, brought to... Uh, you know, it's come to light... 
what do you do to that fraudster who's now closed the account and, and gone off with, with, with the funds? But I do think that the banks could um, apply themselves a little bit more creatively to this problem because it is so rife and um, it doesn't seem to me that there's any um, red flagging going on here to protect the consumers because the banks don't have to take any responsibility for it. So I don't suppose there's much incentive. But, yeah, um, I will certainly engage um, via the banking ombudsman a little bit further on this at steps that could be taken um, given how rife this is. Okay, we've got another call coming in from Mary in Milkbos Strand. Um, what is your question, Mary? Yes, hi. Um, the same thing has happened to me with an investment company. I was withdrawing some funds um, and the hacker got in. He signed the, um, the withdrawal form, um, incorrect initials, not even anything like my signature. Bank statement was an FS um, financial um, first national account, wrong address on and everything. And the financial um, investment company in Joburg paid the hacker without checking my signature or anything or bank details. And that new bank... Um, statement hadn't been secret, so I lodged a complaint with Ombudsman, the Financial Services Board Ombudsman. He threw it out, and then I went to appeal and he threw it out again. Oh, my gosh. Mary, yeah. just explain again, so whose email account was, was hacked into? It was my account. Wow. I went and asked, asking him for withdrawal form. That's so, scary because it's yes. all the cases I've covered, it's been the service provider, the company whose okay. account has been hacked into. So in your case... I'm wondering... It was a, a very long-standing investment company in Joburg. I won't mention okay. that. I wonder if I do it around, although I'd love to because <laughs> I clearly believe the lady knew me. They had dealt with my money for a substantial amount of time. She knew I lived in Cape Town. The bank statement she received from the hacker was all Johannesburg from Southdale. Mm, um, no, no diligence done at all. No diligence. Um, and the ombudsman more or less told me signatures don't count and nor do addresses on bank statements. So what is the point of FICA? Yeah, we do have to wonder. The only alternative I've got is to go to court, but it's 58000 My fees are going to be much higher than that, so I've just taken the loss. But also the police were fantastic. They have arrested the guy. Wow. Um, but I'll tell you, they battled to you to get the, any banking details from First National Bank. They had to subpoena, as you mentioned previously. Yes. But they don't... They, they also they don't care about us, these banks. Absolutely don't care. So the guy is arrested, but that's where it stops. I mean, the money's gone. Well, and I, I'm Ford, Ford superb. Well, I'm glad that there was some authority, or you know, yes. that came through for you, Mary. Thank you for sharing yes. your story. Yes, Awful us. Everyone out there, don't do any withdrawals of any description on the internet at all. And they have changed my email address. But the lady that was dealing with this case was going on leave the next day and clearly wanted her desk cleaned. I'm surprised you got no support in that one. The banking ombudsman the Financial is... Services Board, I'm telling you, mm. really, that was just a joke. I mean, signature is king, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, and well, there were other red flags as well. Well, we're going to go oh, just now into some yes, how we can protect ourselves. But yeah, thanks but, again. Um, oh, everyone must just not do anything over <laughs> the internet when it comes to finance. Absolutely nothing. That's obviously your big lesson and you're not going to get caught twice. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Mary.
Okay, um, we've got a, a text message here. It says, I'm inundated with emails from ABSA to download my e-statement and then another one to update my FICA. I don't even bank with ABSA. Where did they get my email address from? Oh, they, they, the forces can get it on the internet very easily. I mean, we all get them every day. And the problem is, if you are, if you do bank with that bank, then you're obviously, and you're not wide awake. You, and it's something, a cousin of mine, um, her father died, uh, my, my father's brother, and she became, she got power of attorney for her mother's account because her mother has de- dementia, absent account recently. Long story short, she was still heavily grieving. She'd been dealing with ABSA over the account and she got one of these phishing emails and lost, I don't even want to say how much money out of that account. Can you imagine? Devastating. It's just, yeah, completely devastating. Okay, so on the line now we have Mark Edwards, who's a forensic attorney who's experienced in these cases. Thanks for calling in, Mark. Hi. Um, a forensic accountant, in fact, not a forensic attorney, but uh, <laughs> ah. uh, nonetheless. I have uh, I have dealt with and, and uh, helped with investigations of a number of these uh, scams, and uh, in my opinion, the the, the, the source of the scam is often that there seems to be a syndicate uh, of, of criminals trying to hack attorneys' email accounts. And the source of the problem then begins once they've hacked the attorneys' email accounts and they can intercept emails and re- resend emails. And what happened in the case that I was involved in was that the attorneys sent out a request for a deposit to be paid on a housing transfer. And that email was intercepted on its way, intercepted on its way out. The bank details were changed on the email and then it arrived at, at uh, on, on my client's desk who then made the payment as requested and suddenly 250,000 was missing and yeah. never arrived in the attorney's trust account. And, um, yeah, we were, we were quite successful in fact in recovering it, um, because the banks do in fact have quite a few systems in place that flag, that red flag these transactions and then begin a process of uh, putting locks on these accounts and things like that. So it's, it's part of the bank's um, know your customer protocols, which say that, you know, if, if you make a payment out of your account that's outside of the normal parameters for you as a customer, then uh, they will they, then often uh, red flag that transaction and place a hold on it until they're happy that it's, uh, that it's legit. And we probably got about 90% of the funds back that hadn't yet been withdrawn in cash, mm, even was... though those funds had been transferred to multiple other bank accounts already by the time, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, the fraud was identified, which was probably about 48 hours after the payment had been made. Well, that is well done to you because I have many cases where individuals don't have as much luck as that. Um, Once the money starts being transferred into other accounts, that's the bank just says, you know, sorry, can't help. Um, So I think I must leave your details with Amy. Um, I'd like to chat to you off air, please, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Um, We're now going to go to Brendan in Nerdhook who wants to talk about email scams. Hi, Brendan. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thanks. Yeah, um, two points. Firstly, on on the Marshall's case, um, it's a very clear case of the conveyance and not doing due diligence. We mm. pay out we do pay thousands of transactions to property owners on an annual basis, and no property owner's banking details change in our system unless we uh, verbally verify any email request to do so. It's quite a you know for a company it should be quite a big deal if somebody wants to change a bank detail. For large sums of money. Um, but secondly, we had a case where 
fraudsters were completely mimicking our business. We do holiday rentals. And um, we were getting calls from guests arriving in Cape Town saying, I'm at the house. It doesn't look like it was in the pictures. Where are you? Kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, this is an old and then one. We would, look, we would look through our systems and we wouldn't be able to find any record of ever communicating with them. And when we asked them to please send us all the communication, we discovered emails with our logos, our even our office address in many cases. And obviously the one thing that was very different was... The banking the details. Bank. Um, and so we called ABSA because the bank details in ABSA account. They immediately put a lock on the account, and they also told us that that particular account had had numerous transactions and receiving money over the last 10 days, um, all in sort of amounts of 100, 150,000, 50,000 blocks. Um, and they called us possibly three or four days later to say that they had the person uh, whose account it was was withdrawing the amount in a Kailicha bank. And um, could they please have the the uh, the, 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 uh, the reference number for the case so that they could arrest the person? Um, but because the because it wasn't our money and it wasn't our case to to take to the police, we didn't have a case number. But I was just very impressed that Absa were able to immediately block the account and then. Um, Take the further yeah. action to arrest. That Take further action, and they didn't let the person leave the bank without the police being involved. That's very so heartening to hear. Yeah, so I didn't follow the case. I was just very surprised by, uh, in contrast to what you were saying earlier, by their um, proactive nature on, on the issue. Thank you very much for that call. Um, I think, yeah, there, in some cases, obviously, it seems to be when the companies get involved or, you know, the, the forensic accountant, there seems to be a little bit, perhaps a little bit more incentive. And, and, and in a case like that with the, with the rental company, there would be many cases. So yeah. they, they would, you know, then they, they, we have um, to give credit where it's due absolutely. sometimes. I mean, but here, also WhatsApp saying that um, they had a situation where the secretary uh, intercepted the bank details that had been changed um, from Shane, saying that she noticed there was a change and she phoned to verify and say, I see your details have that's, changed. That's what should happen. And as, as the caller just th- said there, you know, it's a very – um, Brendan, it's a very should be a very big deal if, an, uh, if a convincing attorney firm gets a request for a change in detail uh, in yeah banking details. And in um, Lynn and Rick's case, Rick pointed out that um, they were both owners of the house. So Lynn supposedly sent a last minute email to say these are my new bank details. Nothing should have happened apart from all the other discrepancies in the email and everything else, a call should have been made to Rick to say, as, as a co-owner of the home, exactly. to say, do you agree to this? Exactly. Which didn't happen either. So just a complete lack of, of care Efficiency. and diligence here. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to consumer expert Wendy Nola. And if you have any consumer-related questions, you can call us on 021-446-0567, text to 318-567, WhatsApps to 072-567-1567. And Sally from the City Bowl has uh, just uh, called us. She needs advice on a refund from Turkish Airlines. What happened, Sally? Hi, Wendy. Um, Hi, what Sally. we did is we booked uh, we booked on Turkish Airlines for three tickets from here to Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we looked, we got a very good um, bargain, which we thought it was 7000 something, but a lot of our friends are going over at the same time and on various airlines with the same price. My husband booked 
Um, it had an SA, what was SA website. Um, he pressed, gave the credit card details, and 66,000 Rand came up as opposed to 21. He then found out that it was Saudi Arabia, even though he'd gone onto the South African website, and we were paying in Saudi Arabian currency. He phoned the agent straight away and said, look, this is the problem, and this was on the, the 20th of the 3rd, and the, we've been fighting Turkish Airlines since, but we received a letter on the 21st of April, and I'll just read you the certain part. It says, the particular conversation on the 20th of the 3rd, 2018, has been carefully evaluated, and we detect that our agents did not provide you with the necessary services according to our service quality standards. We would like to apologize for this inconvenience. The agent has been warned in behalf of this department, but they still refuse to change our flight. So we are, we are flying Turkish Airlines for 23,000 Rand tourist class. Wow. Okay. Now they said, they said that day, if we, if we asked, they would refund us within 24 hours, which the agent told my husband. And obviously Turkish Airlines has this on their call center. So they're going to warn the agent, but they are not doing anything yes. to us. Okay, Sally, um, just first question was there's perhaps some confusion with East South Africa and Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. My husband went on the website and it says SA website. So he automatically thought it was South Africa. Being in South Africa, we went on SAA Turkish Airlines. So that's a good warning for listeners. Um, Sounds like a fairly um, easy mistake to make. And as soon as it went through, we realized, so we phoned them and they said, don't worry, we'll refund you because you phoned us back straight away. Okay, so you have three things going for you. The immediate alert from your side, the fact that Mm -hmm. you have an email saying that um, the agents didn't provide the necessary service level. Yeah. And you have, there should be a recording of a call in which they said they would refund you. So if if you're willing to email me, Sally, with all the details and including that email that you from which you read out, um, I'll, yes. I'll um, send it off to the All media right. people and, and hope that you, obviously you wanted the difference between what you paid and what you thought you were paying in, in yeah, absolutely. that 7,000. Yeah, absolutely. refund so we can order, you know, we can fly another airline. But, you All know, right. we've been, the, the emails have been going back and forth. Who do I send it to, Wendy? Okay, so it's, um, we should, it's probably a good time. We're getting to the end of the show. My email address is consumer at NOLA, which is spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Super, I'll forward it straight away. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sally, for calling in. Uh, We go to another call now. It's uh, Ray in Plumstead. Hi, thank you for calling. What is your question for Wendy? Hi, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Wendy, uh, I just want to ask you, please, man, um, there is this company. I purchased a Wendy house. Oh, no. Sorry? My my worst term ever, but yes, carry on. No Wendy house. Um, yeah, they, look, as people are advertising, it's a standard advert which is in, in all the local tabloids, and it's advertising it at 5,400 rand, but it's like a DIY structure. So they, 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 they build everything, and then they bring it to you, and you put it up, so it saves you money there. Right. So I gave them a, a 2,000 rand deposit. This was two weeks ago. And then I obviously owe them 3400 but that's prepaid on delivery. Yes. So when they delivered the structure to me, they demanded that I pay them an, actually 4900 as opposed to 3400 On what grounds? I, I don't know. I argued with them. I said to them, look, this is your Edward, 5400 And the lady also signed 
that I owe them 3,400 to sign my book. But when this guy delivered it, he says, no, the Edward is wrong. That is not the price. It's uh, 6,900 rand. It's just pathetic. So, so what happened is um, they took everything back. They didn't want to give me the stuff. No. So, so, but they gave me my money back, uh, the 2,000 rand. But I mean, what can one do in an, in an event like this? Because, I mean, obviously a lot of people are phoning for that ad, but then that ad has been in paper for many, for, for a long time, you know, and in different, in different newspapers they're advertising this thing. So what can one actually do about those people? Because they gave me my money back. Yeah. I, mean, I still don't have the things which I'm supposed to be moving in. I'm getting married, so and I don't have a place. Okay, this is uh, seems quite ridiculous to me. The time for people, you know, there are adver- genuine advertising mistakes, but um, what's suspicious in this case would is that the time to have told you that was when you ordered the um, product, or at least when um, you made your first payment. So, um, do you have proof? You said they wrote somewhere that you still owed th- uh, three, four. Because if you have that, then I can take up your case for you, coupled with the advert. I, I have everything they, they've given up. The lady signed, the sales lady signed my document. Okay. Also, when, when she received, when I gave her the 2,000 rand, so she signed and then she agreed that, they owe, that I still owe them 3,400 no, well, rand. And the advert is in the paper, but when they came to me, they gave me a balance uh, a receipt of 4,900 okay. So we're talking about a difference of 1,500 and, and it sounds like they were perhaps just banking on you now seeing this product that you wanted and saying, well, okay, I'll just pay the extra 1,500, which you weren't prepared to do. And quite rightly so. So Ray, if you want to send me an email as well with all that evidence um, and a copy of the advert most particularly, do you know if that advert, and this is a very important question, is still running? With that price, it runs, it runs in every tabloid. Okay, in the in the placement, in the people's post, everywhere the runs, and it's been running for a long time okay. in the in the in the paper. So, I mean, I have it. Yeah. Right, Ray. So if they haven't amended that price, then clearly it's not a mistake. So send that to me, and I'll be very happy to to take it up on your behalf. If, did you you got the email address? Okay, it's consumer at nola. That's the one. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, Ray. Thank you, Ray. And we're going to go straight to Keith from Gordon's Bay. Hi, Keith. Thank you for calling. Hi. Hi, Yes, I think I was scammed last year, a year ago, for one and a half million. Exactly how Wendy's explained the whole thing. But my concern is, and this is what it's happened, I spoke to my son-in-law, who's a a banking analyst, and uh, he does all these firewalls and everything else. And he just says, the problem lies with the, the perpetrators. In other words, nothing ever happens. So these guys are getting more organized. They know how to do it. They scam. It's called double viewing. They could actually scam anybody's uh, email address. So the point I'm trying to say, this one, of my, in my case, I managed to block it, but I still lost a lot of money. Uh, but they know who he is. They've got his ID number. They've got his photograph. Got the, so it's, the, the, it's now left in, for, in the police. Now, we can't take the law into our own hands, but... There isn't even a police division handling fraud on a, on a scale like what's happening. And it's going to happen more and more and more. And if I can tell you, uh, the only one way we can sort this out is the, the investigation. And they must nip this in the butt. Because these guys are getting more and more professional. And they're going to wear, we block one hole, they're going to get another one. Absolutely. And I just think, I just think government's got to intervene. And 
And as much as we, we, all the lawyers are telling you, don't do this, don't do that, but you must drive all the way to Joburg now to go and hand in a, a personal <laughs> document uh, to do a transaction. I mean, this is ridiculous. Keith, now, can I, I ask you, think, sorry, sorry, to button. Can I, because we're running out of time, yeah. can I just ask you how you, were you, was it also the transfer of a property? How, how did it yes. happen in your case? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, bought a, a, an industrial site and, uh, and I, the, the lawyer sent me an email with, his, his account and details on it. I phoned, I said, is it, are you sure it's this bank? And they said, yes. Like an idiot, I never said the number. Are you with me? So yeah. when they said Nedbank, I said, fine. And oh. I transferred the money straight away. And I luckily, but then I went to the police and they said, no, they can't do anything about it because they've got to open the case and they can only do it tomorrow. Oh. Okay. And I can't get a registration. And uh, anyway, the long story short, and uh, anyway, the long story short, but now they know who it is, but the lady in the so-called the captain of the of, of this division, just says to me, we got no resources. We can't go and get the perpetrator. He lives in Soweto in Joburg. I, the crime was committed in in, uh, in the Strand. So there's no ways. The one guy told me there's 400 arrest warrants out for a similar case, yeah. and nothing happened. So, you know, what I'm going to say to you in, this, just in a nutshell is that we can do whatever we want to. We can get the best forensic guys. We can get everything on the... On, but it's got to come from the judicial or the, you know, the process must be done from the police. So that's where it is. Fraud. Okay. It's pure utter fraud, and we're doing nothing about it. Thank you, Keith. Okay. Okay, we unfortunately have to wrap it up there. Do you want to have a, a finishing a final comment? Word is yeah. yes, we, the authorities need to protect us. But we, as as individuals, as as members of the public, just to reiterate, to protect yourself, which is the one thing we do have control over. Is Sorry, Wendy. the one thing we do have control over is we can protect ourselves. So when you get an invoice for a payment, double and triple check. I did this recently. It took me about twenty five minutes to pay an internet service provider because I was so paranoid from covering the story. So phone during office hours. Look up the number yourself. Phone the company and check the details before you make a payment. Exactly, because we all have those weak moments. We and do. We don't be in a rush. People make mistakes. We're mm. human. A reminder that if you have got a consumer issue you'd like Wendy to, to ask Wendy about, you can email her on consumer at nola.co.za put Cape Talk in the subject line and a word or two to tag the topic Uh, thank you again to Wendy thanks to to Lynn Marshall and Nick Nick Lawrence for coming in and sharing your experience and good luck finding justice